Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, we chat with experts, athletes, coaches and authors to educate and inspire you. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. Today on the show, I chat with marathon runner, business owner, now documentary maker, Anna Liptak. We talk about how she got into fitness and the key factors that drove her to success. She has trained thousands of people and helped them achieve their fitness goals. And since 2007, has taken hundreds of her clients to run marathons all over the world with her business adventure time travel. We talk all things inspiration, motivation, mindset, and even touch on the COVID-19 pandemic. She was one of the first ones to be diagnosed back in March. This episode will no doubt have you looking for your runners by the end and hitting the pavement. Enjoy this episode with Anna Liptak. Anna Liptak, thank you so much for chatting with me today. For those who don't know you and your incredible businesses, can you give us a bit of background on you? Sure. Hi, Jackie. Well, um, my background originally is in um, business management and events management marketing. Um, And this is what I did prior to commencing in the fitness industry. So um, before I moved into that, I worked with a company called Augment Communications and we worked on um, events all around the uh, country. And prior to the birth of my second baby, I worked on the Adelaide Airport opening events. And one of those was the Prime Minister's Dinner which was John Howard's dinner for that. Wow. That was about nine days before I gave birth to my second (laughs) child. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) I thought I might upstage John Howard, but um, it didn't happen. Um, And then I I gave birth to my second baby. And after that, my husband said to me, why don't you go and study something that you're interested in, which was fitness. That was my passion. Um, But I was quite, I was a little bit miffed at the time because I had done a lot of study before. But then I thought about it. My first, my first child, I actually breastfed for three years um, and I couldn't go out or anything. He was very attached to me. And then on the birth of my second baby, I thought, you know what, this could be two nights out a week that I study something that I'm really interested in. I can leave the house. My husband's encouraging me to do it. Um, and so I did it. And it was um, the, the, the turning point of my career. Um, the first night that I went into this course, I was with, you know, young, beautiful personal trainers, wannabe personal trainers. And I was carrying a lot of weight after my second baby. And they actually made an example of me as a breastfeeding woman and showed how I was carrying weight, which it was an example, but it was quite humiliating for me at that time. Um, But what it did for me, it gave me a lot of motivation because it really drove me to want to be the, get the best results in the fitness test in that class at the end of the course. But it also made me understand how hard it was for women after having babies and, you know, the pressure that society places on us about weight and how humiliating it was. So when I would go to the the course two nights a week, I would actually, instead of go having a break, I'd jog around the block, um, you know, because I wanted to get fit and use the time because people with babies and children understand that we have limited time. And on one of those jogs, I actually got yelled out at from a man who said, give it up, jig along. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, it was really, um, that really took my breath away. Inside me, I know I'm a really fit and healthy person, but if I didn't, I would never have gone back on that street again. So he also motivated me because I thought, right, I could actually use this course to actually then at the end of it, you know, talk, uh, work with women who are at home with babies um, and empower them through exercise because I know the strength and power of what exercise can do for your life fundamentally. So both of those incidents were really instrumental to me starting my own business, which I did, wasn't actually doing the course in the first place. And um, so I came up with the name Her Time at first. So the, And um, within about, so I finished the course, I got the highest in the fitness test, tick, tick, sent out a little flyer. Yeah, that's right. Fingers up. <laughs> sent out a little flyer and within about two weeks I had 40 women signed up with me. So I realised that there were lots of women around who really could, um, could relate to my story, um, that being her time. Um, you know, we only had very limited time. So everyone was out for the hour. We were there together. We're a little community. And it wasn't like we concentrated on weight specifically. It was about being healthy, um, about being the community. It was our mental health, physical health, emotional health. Mm -hmm. um, from there, in another two weeks later, I had another 40 people signed up. So within four weeks, I think I had 80 people signed up. So I said to my husband, you know, I'm going to have to get some equipment here and, and pretend I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so that was 15 years ago and it's been going ever since. And I would say 70% of the people that I started with are still with me today. So it's been an incredible journey. Um, after about three or four years, um, a lot of the husbands got jealous because the women were getting so fit. So I then transferred it to his and her time, um, which has been fabulous because I actually thought men would be harder to train, but they're actually easier because they don't talk as much as women. And now, <laughs> and now I know why, why we're actually called birds because it is a lot of chirping, yeah. which is wonderful. Um, but it's been a fantastic journey. Um, for me for the last 15 years. And then amongst that, um, sorry that I'm just going to keep talking. Keep going, <laughs> I love it. In amongst that, after about five years, I realised that people needed purpose and motivation and really that's what drove us towards goals. So I started setting these very high benchmark goals, which were, you know, off the chart for me too, which was like the Great Wall of China Marathon. And we started doing marathons all around the world. And, and it was one of the trailblazers actually that I was on with a, one, of, one of our clients. And she said to me, do you think I could run a marathon? I'm like, yeah, of course you could run a marathon. You know, you can do anything. And then I realised the, the importance of believing in people and giving yes. them the belief and transferring that belief. Because if you can believe in someone then they can believe in themselves. So then over the years, I think I've seen hundreds of people achieve dreams and goals and, and, and assisted them with it um, through, through marathons, half marathons. We've done plenty of events all around the world as relays. People walking, you know, my mum's 73. She did the New York Marathon with me. So it's not all just about, you know, these fast people. It's all about just empowering people and changing people's lives through, through exercise. That's sensational. I mean, if people, this is, this is going to go on the podcast, obviously, but if people could see my face like during that whole time, that's such a sensational story. And it's, and you're so right that that whole belief system, I mean, when someone else believes in you, that's, that's incredibly powerful. Let's, let's get, a, get into you a bit more. What what are your achievements in terms of marathons? What's what's been the biggest memory, almost 
um, yeah, most exciting memory for you in terms of uh, fitness achievements? It doesn't have to be a marathon, but um, okay. Well, it would definitely the definitely the pinnacle for me was um, the Boston Marathon yeah. um, because that's one that you actually have to qualify for. So that was um, th- that was a fantastic achievement for me and I knew it was a one-off at the time um, my client running partner best friend Chantel said to me we've qualified let's do Boston so um, it was really out of the picture for me because I really couldn't afford it so I would sell my clothes at markets and things like that just to try and get to Boston that year Um, we managed to get there and we finished but that was the year of the bombing so that was in 2013 so that's a pretty significant event in itself so um one side it was a huge achievement on the other side it was quickly uh ravaged from that achievement to try and get home and get out of the city so um it will still sit there as a a fantastic achievement but it, it also finished with much sadness and um confusion and everything else but in terms of an achievement for me athletically that would have to be sit up there um and in the same year I did New York Marathon and I got my best time. So, um, so they're, they're, they're two of my pinnacle ones. And have you ever thought about going back to Boston? Yes, after New York last year. So I now, as you said, I, I run another company called, called Adventure Time Travel and we specialise in the New York Marathon. So I am very fortunate that I get to travel to New York every year. Um, let's see what happens this year. Um, but um, last year after the marathon, I ran it with, last year I ran it with my mum um, and we then went on to Boston um, because I wanted to see Boston because there were so many sites that I didn't get to see when I was there. Um, so I did go back and it did um, bring back a lot of memory. But I was, yeah, so, and seeing the city was, yeah, pretty, you know, had very many mixed emotions for me. But the one thing that I will always hold dear is that all of those um, people in Boston um, were amazing, that community, in terms yeah. of their support yeah. for us. Well, my next question was actually what's been the toughest experience? I don't know if you've just answered that all in one, but has it been an experience that has been tough in terms of um, during a marathon or the lead-up to a marathon? Definitely uh, the toughest was the Great Wall of China Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So that starts um, in a little town and I can't even remember the name of the town. But um, you basically start and you've got the first incline is a mountain. You've got to climb a mountain. Um, So you're running up a mountain and then you get to the Great Wall and you've got to run, I think it's 5,000 stairs um, back and back down into a square and then you run right through a another three or four mountains so in terms of in terms of the um uh strength strength i guess the strength that it has on your body um it was pretty strenuous and um at one stage at the 21k i actually thought i was going to go into a wheelchair because my quads actually felt like they were going to explode um and luckily someone else who was in our team came up behind me and she had some salt tablets and they did work for me so it was really hot the great wall of china marathon it was like 100 100 humidity plus 34 wow. degrees it was so hot so humid no clean toilets you know it was everything was against you um and um so that was that was a tough really tough and and that took 
so five and a half hours, usually I take three and a half hours. So in talking to other people, it's comparable to a 76K road, road race. So that was definitely the hardest um, marathon I've ever, ever done, absolutely, <laughs> without a doubt. But once again, it was a, you know, a huge achievement. And I took 28 people um, from, wow. from Adelaide with me. Um, and that was just wonderful to be able to celebrate with, with all of them as well. And I think on that one, that was, you know, for me, I, I think I was the first Australian across the line. So, you know, there was, that was pretty amazing too. So That's spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> when you have something, you know, that you're dealing with that feels tough, do you just go back to that memory and go, well, I, I got through that so I could get through this? I think you're right. I think it really does help your mental strength because everything else actually seems so much easier in a way. You know, nothing really stresses me out too much. Yeah. And perhaps it is is that mental strength that you have to have with running. But I can tell you 5Ks can be just as hard as the marathon for me or 2Ks, depending on how fast I'm running. I remember at that stage, um, 42Ks at that stage was easy for me, but running 21Ks was a lot harder because I actually had to run faster. And then yeah. once again, 10Ks was faster again. So it's all relative. So I remember someone saying to me, you know, the, the longer you go, the slower you are. So, you know, the slower runners are the marathon runners. So, you know, I guess, well, you know, Jessica Trengrove is not slow. I wouldn't say that at all because I can't even run one lap at her, her <laughs> pace. But, you know, in terms of um, that, you know, the 100-metre sprinters are actually the fastest. Yeah. So it's all relative. Absolutely. And at the time, I didn't re really appreciate how fast I was because I certainly can't run that pace at the moment either. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how you forget where you're at too. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more now about adventure time travel. Um, at what point did you want to take others with you and, and share these experiences? Oh, immediately. So <laughs> I, I experienced my first one in Melbourne um, and I experienced, I, 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 I I immediately wanted to share with the people because I train, I, I do train, you know, up to a hundred a week, but I, I've trained thousands over these last 15, 15 years. Um, and so many people, um, you know, I love sharing the information I get and the journeys that I get and people like to become part of the community and group, which we really do have. Um, so I think straight away, so that was in 2011 was my first one. 2012, the Great Wall of China was actually only about seven months late, six months later. So I did Melbourne and um, then I had a group of 28 or 30 of us going to China straight away. So, um, and before that, we'd done the Vanuatu relay. So it's, it's you know, people do want to be a part of um, a community um, and running is one of those things that you can share and with marathon training, it's a lot about um, being part of a team. I think what happens is in your 40s, 30s, 40s, perhaps you lose that um, community sense of being part of a team that we were when we were younger. Um, and then being part of a group like this where you run three, four, five times a week and have breakfast and you become a sporting team in itself. Um, so that that's just been shared ever since. And, and I've had hundreds of people come all around the world with me. So I'm pretty fortunate. Um, so that's how Adventure Time really started. It started under the banner of His and Her Time, first of all. Then I started, um, then it still sort of started branching out as Adventure Time. Um, but officially it was made a company within itself in 2017. Amazing. Yeah. And so you're talking, you, you said at least 28 or 20 odd people you're taking with you 
give or take. How do you manage um, different levels, fitness levels and, uh, and uh, mindsets? Yeah, that's a, that is a big one. Um, I guess at the moment I take up to 150 people, so it's very different. That's you know, at in the start, one, was, in yeah. one. Oh wow! So at the start it was more like the 30, but now it's 150. And I, I guess my my um, my asset for my background is that I majored in psychology. Um, so I I love people and I love being around people and I love giving to people and I understand people, but I'm also a, not an elite. Um, sports person at one stage you know heading towards that Boston you know I was erring on you know well I was in the top five percent but I guess my energy actually gets expended towards other people rather than myself which is always you know a little bit of a hard thing because it's like should I be giving all my energy to everyone else but I tell you that's what makes me happy is actually um, helping other people ascertain their dreams and then that is part of my dream is actually getting them to their dreams. So um, I guess I left that part of myself um, because this is what makes me happy. But, you know, there are people of all, all different levels and that's fine. The essence of it's the same. Everyone has to start from their, their point and understand that they're, they're different. And I guess that's what you have to do in training is really reinforce that we're all different, that Jackie, you and I couldn't go out on the same training plan because I would get injured doing what you're doing and you'd get injured what I was doing. You know, um, you certainly couldn't be doing what I'm doing in, in running at the moment. You can work towards it. Um, so people have to understand that it's a graduation process. I mean, that's the hardest thing because people will always make their own mistakes and probably one of the biggest ones is going out too fast too soon and too too often and then getting injured so um it's it's a learning process but i guess with a marathon particularly with the ones that people come overseas with me there is that um, big drive and motivation because there is money involved so you know the ones that are more local you know people can have the option to pull out because it's not such a big investment but when you're doing something overseas you really have to commit to it um, financially as well um, but emotionally physically your whole family um, and so you really do have to listen and I think one of the best words and I will refer to Jessica again Jessica Trengrove because she comes and speaks to us sometimes it's not a straight road to a marathon you know there's all curves and deviations and that's for everybody if you're elite or if you're a beginner so um, you know it's like anything the more you do it the more foundation you lay the better you become so you know there's some people um, like my training partner who's couldn't run two kilometers when she started she's now one of the fastest marathon runners in South Australia that's Chantelle Peacock she, she she just layers every year you know there's just a layer, layering layering process and I guess if you're you're committed to your health and fitness um, it just layers itself. Some people got, go off it for six months or three months and then go back on and that's fine. Um, so everybody's different. It's just understanding that. So, yeah, I love working with all sorts of people. Tell us a little bit more about the psychology of injuries and, and how you deal with your, your participants when they're dealing with those niggling injuries or even something that, that's big and takes them out of their program. Yeah, and that's a big mental back battle is is the injuries um, and the setbacks. As you would know, you would be dealing with them too, Jackie. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that there's always alternatives and it's finding the right um, people 
to support you, um, the right professional, so the masseuse, the chiropractor, the physio, finding people that can support you to get you to where you need to go. So still having your goal, um, and as Jess says, you just have to you know, find a different way, whether it's riding a bike or swimming or, or doing something different. But what I try and do is always say, concentrate on what you can rather than what you can't. There's lots of times in your head is like, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that. And it's really negative and gets you nowhere. But if you go, well, I can, I can actually do squats. I just can't do lunges. You know, you, you, there's always alternatives. And, um, you know, keeping yourself focused. I've had a, um, one of our, one of my girlfriend's friends, clients, she came to the New York Marathon. She um, actually uh, severed her tendon in her foot about eight weeks out. Now, she concentrated at home and did boxing on a chair and did all sorts of things, and eight weeks later ran the New York Marathon, which was deemed impossible. Um, but she did it, and, and you know, it, 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 you, can certainly, you can certainly get through a lot of things if your mind will let you, but that's keeping that positive affirmations in your head and concentrating, what can I do today to make myself better? Okay, I can just concentrate on my diet for three weeks because diet essentially, you know, affects so much as well. So if you can just concentrate on what you can control um yeah you can still get to where you want to sensational so what sets adventure time travel apart from from the rest ah well adventure time travel we uh we have positioned ourselves as a premier running travel company so people who come with us can expect that everything will be done for them in terms of we choose very good hotels, very good dinners, very good breakfast. And, and we're one of the, well, we are actually the only company in the whole wide world um, for the New York Marathon. We actually host people to a VIP breakfast before the marathon on Staten Island. Staten Island, you have to get across to in the morning and then you wait three or four hours before the marathon. And usually you just go and stand outside in the cold, but we have um, a place where we keep everyone warm and then in their waves, because you go off in waves, we take people to the start line so people have said to me that they'd just pay a thousand dollars just for that absolutely <laughs> yeah and then we've got really great ambassadors so mark soderstrom soda from mix 102.3 he comes across and he hosts all our events so everything's to you know if you if you want to do something properly and i think if people are doing um, a marathon overseas you want it done properly then you, you get what you pay for so um we certainly are putting ourselves at the top of that sort of tree you certainly are. I certainly would rather stay warm and cosy before I go out and run. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've heard stories. I've, I've heard a lot of runners who are, yeah, who tell me their stories and, and get up at crazy hours of, of the morning and uh, just to stand in the cold. Yeah, it's like running a marathon before you run a marathon because your body <laughs> literally has to shiver for yeah. four hours, which expends so much energy. energy. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we, um, we really um, take care of our runners and, and ensure that they have a great week so people don't have to think at all. We have tour guides from the place that we, you know, like in New York, we have New Yorkians take us around for the, the week and show us around so you don't have to think at all. You're just, just there and you can experience and, and run what you've been training for for the whole year without any stress. That's absolutely brilliant. Let's dive into the current state where <laughs> we're dealing with COVID-19 or luckily for Australia, we're uh, seeing better days now and things are getting much better. What's been your experience throughout COVID-19? Because obviously events are cancelled and fitness sessions and, and gyms are all cancelled. 
what's been happening for you? Take us through through your experience. Well, that was interesting because one, I um, was diagnosed with corona right at the very start for, um, of it. So I was probably the sixth person in South Australia to get it um, before it was actually an even sort of consideration. We were still seeing it just in China. I went to an international conference in Melbourne and on March the 1st and hadn't even considered it as a, you know, there was no threat to us. Um, so when I came back and then I was sick and I rang the doctor or I went to the doctor, they asked me if I'd been overseas and I hadn't been overseas and so it was sort of, I didn't have it. But anyway, the long and the short of it was I did have it and then I had to deal with that and running a fitness business. I closed down my fitness business immediately, um, even though at that stage you didn't have to, um, but I was in hospital. Um, and so I closed <laughs> that down and realised that it was actually quite serious, um, very serious. Um, so I guess in, in, in some ways I was quite fortunate to be at the forefront and to have all the specialists around me and all that sort of support. Um, in terms of then getting out and getting back to my own fitness, it was just being kind to myself and, and doing it. What I think is fantastic and what's a great outcome is seeing so many people out and about in the streets walking um, and getting fresh air and the community being out there and the shops being, and I, and I know it's really not a great thing for our society and I, I feel very sorry for people with their shops and small businesses, such as my own. I've got two of them that have suffered, but I think the one best outcome is probably people getting out and about and the community being out in the fresh air mm -hmm. um, and being outdoors. So I think that's a real positive and I think um, jogging, uh, um, I know lots of sneakers are now being sold, which is a great thing, <laughs> and bikes and, you know, all these uh, really simple things that people are getting back out to the simple things in life. And it was funny, Jackie, only four weeks prior to it happening, my husband and I and my mum had said, oh, wouldn't it be nice if the world slowed down and we could just catch up? And, um, and my husband said, yeah, it'd be great if we got back to just community-based where we shopped at our own communities. And we really had this conversation for about an hour and then long behold, four weeks later, it did stop. <laughs> the universe was like, okay. <laughs> yes. So it did stop for us. And, um, you know, once again, there's great things that can come out of things. And, um, you know, it's just looking at the positives. I've got, you know, as you said, my, my um, small business with my fitness shut down and now it's operating with only nine people like and with nine people up until June the 8th I think we can have go back to more numbers so that's been severely impacted my travel business to New York severely impacted but um you know I'm trying to keep my head up and um keep focused on my health and fitness and and um my running and my love of people and and meeting them so you know there's uh, yeah I, I know it's it's just a, a moment uh, in time it is a moment in time. But, you know, certainly for some people, I've been fortunate that my husband's been able to keep his job. So, you know, in yes. some other circumstances, it would be a nightmare. And if, you know, if I was a single mother, it'd be a very different situation. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, everyone's got their stories and my heart goes out to a lot of people. Absolutely. So, like, when you found out you had corona, like, what is, what's your mindset? Because you're, you're really healthy and fit. So how do you, how does how does one deal with that? And how do you feel you recovered? How how long did that take? I, okay, well, when I when I was first diagnosed with it, I actually had an inkling that I had it because I never get sick and I was actually like one morning found myself on the laundry floor and I couldn't get up. Um so I knew I was really sick, 
Um, and I, I went back to try and get tested three times and then I was tested positive and my doctor rang me and I, he, he said, oh, Anna, you've been tested positive. And I said, yeah, I know. And he said, the ambulance will be there soon and the infectious disease will call you. And they, you know, went through my close, wow. close, close people. So it happened very fast. But the week that I was sick, I actually felt really awful and my mum said oh you know you should go and get tested she was very encouraging of me getting tested and she said I'll drive you there and I said mum if I, you'll go if you think I've got corona you're not going to see me I'm not going to see you so so I did drive myself to get corona uh, to get tested um and it, yeah so it was pretty confronting and then having you know the ambulance turn up and everyone's in all their garb with their face stuff and it, that was just pretty um shocking but I think the worst thing Jackie was that with the realization that we could have spread it to a number of different families in the community and what if people start dying like what we were seeing on the news how were we going to ever cope and live with that um particularly with my son who was at school i just uh, the whole that whole thought of having having killed someone's family member was actually um the the worst moments that for all of us, we, my husband and I were beside ourselves of how, one, how we were going to cope, two, how my child would cope, um, and three, how the school would cope. So we, that, was, that was really devastating. And also my mum had spent a lot of time with me, helping me while I was, while I was sick. And when I was in hospital, I was watching um, a woman of my age who'd come back and spread it to her mum and her mum did die. And I, and I just couldn't have lived with myself. So, you know, we were very, very lucky that we actually didn't spread it anywhere not one person got it from us um, and I have talked to you know other people now um, and they you know said oh well we spread it everywhere we had you know and I'm, so that was that to me was really fortunate when I got out of hospital we're quite lucky that my husband and my son my other son who didn't have it were able to go away from this house and I could look after my child and so we both had corona at home and I didn't mind being at home because it was fantastic coming home from the hospital even though they were really good there but um, after they gave us the three negative, you know, um, tests, we got negative tests. I couldn't actually believe that we could go out, but I didn't want to stay in the community. I just wanted to go away. We've got another house down south. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to be responsible for anybody getting it. I didn't want anyone to say, oh, I saw Anna the other day and she... So we, I just removed myself for four weeks and went down to our house and just stayed there. Didn't see anyone, didn't see a friend, didn't just, you know, just another four weeks by myself. So mm -hmm. essentially I was six weeks by myself without seeing anyone apart from my children, my husband, of course. Um, but I just, uh, that, that thought still, it still mm -hmm. daunts me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that was actually one of the reasons I closed down my business before even the government had, had put, you know, those restrictions out as well. It's just, you know, you see so many people and, and that, yeah, that is the worst thought. And, and situation that you could possibly think. So let's let's move on from that. Yes. <laughs> um, let's get into your the, the documentary. You've recently done a documentary called I Am Not a Runner. Firstly, what inspired you to even contemplate a documentary in the in the first place? I went to a movie and saw um, some amazing people uh, acetating amazing feats that I couldn't even begin to 
think that I could do. It was so way above, you know, a normal person. And, you know, I'd run 25 marathons and I thought, well, yes, it is amazing, but it hasn't inspired me. It's just made me feel very inept, you know, inept, you know. And I thought, you know, what we should be doing, what I'd love to do is put some ordinary people in front of everybody and say, look, Look what people can achieve. It doesn't. Ha- you don't have to be elite. You don't have to be the top of your sports because all the time we're told we're not elite, we're not the best, we're not. So we stop trying essentially. But I think if we had ordinary people in front of us and everyone that has seen parts of this says, oh, if they can do that, I can do that. So really it's about motivating and inspiring others to not give up on dreams that anyone can achieve wonderful things if they, are, if they want to. And so who can we see in the doco? So it's about five, and I say ordinary in um, quotation marks because, <laughs> sure. of course, they're not ordinary, but five normal women. Um, we, we did have 60 characters and we couldn't, unfortunately, focus on 60. Um, so there's five women um, ranging in age from 30 to 73, all with different stories, um, one being my mum. So we followed my mum, um, who's 73, and got through to the New York Marathon. Um, we also have Marika, who was a single mum of five and um, essentially um, got herself through the police force and back on track and um, able to do the New York Marathon, which has been one of the best things uh, in her life. Um, then we have Namara Lee, who's got three children, um, ha- you know, had put on a lot of weight, was uh, stuck at home um, in, a, in, a, in a rut, really, and, and was too ashamed to exercise. And um, so she got herself out and started exercising and, and turned her life around. She's part Aboriginal and now she's back working with Aboriginal women. Um, and um, she she is a twinkle in the documentary she's a a real really beautiful character um and then there's Anne who's in her 50s and she's single and um you know has suffered mental health problems um you know everyone's got their obstacles but these women were willing to share these stories which you know were quite sensitive so we're very fortunate to have them share um but very attainable very tangible women that um that people can relate to and then there's Jodie who um, you know, was a stay-at-home mum and um, found herself at the end of her, the reel where the kids were growing up and she wanted to do something for herself and then also had the mental battles of all these different voices in her head, a very strong one that says that she can't do things and that she's too slow and um, how she got around that and that that constant battle of it's okay, you know, I don't have to explain why I'm being slow, I'm doing it. You know, that people always feel like they have to excuse themselves because, oh, yeah, I'm doing a marathon but I'm really slow so it doesn't really mean anything well but trying to get past that excuse that that voice that always tells us that we aren't as good as anyone else and really in life we're never ever going to be as good as anyone or as pretty as anyone and we've just got to do what we can so yeah they're all um women that that um you know they're not hiding from their past but they're running towards this brighter future and you sort of see this um, beautiful sort of reawakening of discovering themselves throughout the documentary. That's sensational. What um what's the timeline of this doco? When was when was this done? Okay, so we started filming in 2017. So this bright idea. Of yeah. Mine, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought 
thought it'd be, you know, oh yeah, we'll do a documentary. And I, I rang a friend of mine who uh, works at Channel Nine, James Wakeland, and said, "Oh, would you be interested in doing this documentary with me?" And he met with me, and he was he was so generous and um, yes, straight away and jumped on. And I don't think either of us realised what we had bitten off. Um, and um, it's been a long journey. University of South Australia joined with us and gave us some students who helped us with filming. And then we've had other people come and go and other directors from Perth and we've had other people. And now we've got one um, amazing man, Johnny Taranto, who is also from Channel 7. So they're all doing this separate to their own work and he's come on as the editor and he actually is, um, he's a, a total perfectionist. So he's not letting it out there until we're completely satisfied. So we did take it to this documentary con conference together, Johnny and I, and we got lots of feedback from um, producers and um international broadcasters that they're all very keen so we're trying to get it to the to the the best that we can get it to see how far we can get it now because we actually haven't put a date stamp on it so it doesn't relate to the 2018 marathon it's uh, can relate to anything so really it essentially focuses on their stories um the finishing line and um yeah yeah that's essentially what it is even yeah. though it's yeah so it's um showing people you're you're not who you think you are Really. Oh, yes. And so it's, it's, so it's not yet released and does not have a release date? No, we're hoping, I'm hoping that um, the New York Marathon is going ahead this year, according to New York Roadrunners, according to them. You know, everything changes every yeah, day. That's true. Um, we're hoping that if it doesn't or if it does, it, it actually gets shown the night before or around the New York Marathon. Um, so, yeah, so... That's what it's awesome. about. Best of luck with that one. Let's um, let's talk about those challenges for a second. There, what were the challenges uh, during the filming, as like technically, but also uh, were there challenges with with your runners? Oh, there were so many challenges because they're all <laughs> they're, they're all beginners, so they don't re they didn't really know what they were in for. So there's so many moments where people are injured, like you talked about, and those mental battles and how you get it back on and um, obstacles that people meet, but not really wanting to tell the camera, you know, not really wanting to share your, your most vulnerable moments. So that's a really fine line in 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 work you know sharing and being genuine but also wanting to show a happy face that yeah it's all easy and all, it's all great so you know finding those moments and and um getting the girls to share those moments because they didn't actually really know if they'd get past those moments so that was difficult not knowing what characters you know if we could go back we, it would have been good to focus on those five right from the beginning um, instead of 60 because we had it such a wide camera angle at that stage. Um, so there's lots of things we've learnt. Um, and, um, but, you know, it's been very, very special and the people that have worked on it have been incredible, incredibly generous um, to, to me and the project. And um, for that, I'll be forever grateful. I can't tell you how many people have given their time and complete time, you know, people with families and, and not asked for any money or anything so you know there's been there's been yeah it's opened my eyes up to very um, amazing generous people in this world yeah. that we're surrounded by kindness prevails mm -hmm. what um what would you say to a runner who doesn't think they could run a marathon or is intimidated of of even thinking about a marathon uh don't think of it as a whole 
take it a little bit by little bit. And that's what we did as a training. We broke it into little chunks. Okay, let's just concentrate on that first 5Ks. Get the the couch to running uh, 5K app. You know, those little helpful things. And people go, oh, I can walk a minute. I can run a minute. Make it very easy. Don't look at that end goal. Even for me, you know, I've run 25 marathons. If I think about 42Ks, I think, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do that? Because it's such a long, long way. But if you go into little chunks and you make it very manageable, okay, I'm just going to get to 10Ks by the end of the year. So we did it very slowly. And before you know it, you're running 21Ks. And it's funny how someone's attitude goes from, and you can't, we see this on camera, you know, Namara Lee's so excited to have run her first 2Ks and can't believe she's done it. Then all of a sudden she's running 12 and then she's running 14. And then, oh, I'm just running 21Ks. And you can see, you know, this massive jump. And then all of a sudden she's running 28 but it's all relative. So it's exactly. just doing it slowly, you know, and taking it very slowly. And when you get injured, you just pull back. And so, you know, don't see it as the 42Ks. Just see it as a, 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 a an end goal and see, just put the little ones in place before it. Amazing. Sensational. Anna, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, if people want to train with you or want to eventually participate in a marathon with Adventure Time Travel, where can they find you? So um, thanks, Jackie. The, um, it's been really great speaking to you. Thank you for your time. Um, so um, people can either look me up, Anna Lipchak, on um, at the internet, His and Her Time, Adventure Time Travel, or I'm Not a Runner. So uh, there's a few spots. So I'm not a runner where we are, um, you know, putting some of our videos and information out there. Adventure Time Travel, we take people overseas every year and his and her time I do train people um, outdoors. Um, in And I do um, cross-training, not just running, because cross-training I, I think is the essence why the begin they all get there is because they don't just run. Yes, It's, absolutely. it's about the strength training, yeah. yeah. And a quick question, can... Um, people from anywhere in the country participate in the Adventure Time travel programs? Yes, yeah, so it's an, a national business. So most of our people, like our clients this year, are from Queensland and Sydney. Um, and we've got trainers all over Australia too that come in and help and assist so we can, you know, if someone's in Queensland, tell them where to train with and things like that. So, yes, Adventure Time travel is um, all across Australia um, taking people overseas. Wonderful. Well, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Once again, thank you for chatting with me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jackie. What an incredible woman. I can certainly see why she is so successful and why her clients love her and has been able to help them achieve their goals. She's so friendly and approachable and just such a wonderful human being and um, it's funny actually I obviously I, I'm a remedial massage therapist and I've worked with a lot of athletes and, and marathon runners especially and I've always had such admiration and respect for anyone who is running a marathon or uh, has their sights set on running a marathon but um, it's one of those things I've always thought to myself yeah, no, that's just a bit too far for me. <laughs> I just have not really had any interest in it whatsoever, even though I'm surrounded by all these inspiring people. But um, I've got to say, after that conversation, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm maybe thinking a marathon is possible. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a goal for for the end of this year or, or next. Um, we'll see how that goes, shall we? <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening in today. It is an honor and I truly appreciate you. If today's podcast has helped you in any way, please leave a review and tell your friends and of course, subscribe. You can also head over to the show notes where you can find all the links mentioned in today's podcast. Have a spectacular day and here's to a world of bodies built better.